Today we're going to be in Psalm 4. And here's how this is going to go today. It's not a real long message, but I'm going to read it to you. Uh, and then I'm going to explain some of what's going on. Then we'll read it again because you'll hear it differently. And then there'll be some application and maybe some, maybe some encouragement, but some, some things that to, to call you to account for. Um, that'll make sense in a minute. It's not a negative, not a negative message. Uh, and then we'll read a different version, a different translation of it right at the end of the message. So I was going to hear this short psalm three times today. A uh, couple of things. One disclaimer before we pray. Uh, I'm going to talk about things in general that are going on in our world. I'm not picking a side, but I understand I've been sitting in a pew before. Uh, I understand what it's like when a pastor stands up and speaks to something general and you don't like it. And so you go, oh, I knew what he meant. He might not have said it, but I know. No, you don't. You don't know. I'm really slippery on this stuff. You don't know where I am politically. You don't know where I am economically. You don't know where I am on climate science. You don't know that stuff. Um, but if you ha take issue with something that I've said, if something kind of bugs you, take it up with Jesus. Because that's what David is calling people to do. So I'm not, be, I'm not angry. I just know how it goes. The emails that I get, the emails I got last summer when all this stuff was really getting political. I don't know if you noticed, but the things have gotten a little weird around the world. Late. Nope, just me. Got it. Okay, then this is going to be meaningless to everybody. So let's, uh, let's pray, read the passage, and then we'll talk through it. Lord, you're God, we're not. And we're very grateful that we're not. I would not want to be a part of a world that I were God over. I don't know how you do it, but you do. Lord, I'm asking you to stand in my shoes, give me your thoughts, and speak with my mouth so that this is your message for us, not my message for them. Lord, your word speaks very clearly, and even more so when we know a little background on things. So, Lord, I'm asking that you speak today. Speak clearly, convict where we need conviction, encourage where we need encouragement, and just tell us the truth, Lord. That's all we want. And give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you would have us see, hear, and receive. We pray this in the name of Jesus, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. So it reads like this, Psalm 4. Answer me when I call you, O righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. And then he turns and he starts addressing some people. How long, O men, will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. In your anger, don't sin. When you're on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety." Kind of a strange psalm if you don't know the background, and some of you may. But let me just give you a little background. Um, what's going on in David? David is the king. He wrote this, and he sent it to his director of music. And if you notice, he's calling out some people there. And I don't know, it doesn't happen very often nowadays, and I don't think it would go well for me if I decided to call out a couple of people that I have a problem with in public worship from the pulpit. But that's exactly what David did. So, crit, no, I'm just kidding. 
folks, come on, lighten up a little bit. <laughs> How could you have anything against Chris? Um, here's what's going on. These, these men, it says, you, O oh men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? A couple of things going on there. One, it's not just the word for men, people in general. It's, it's not. It's, it's, it's bene, bene Um So he's talking about people of influence, people of power, people of wealth. He's, he's got these, these men in particular uh, in, you know, in, in, his, in his area. And these are men that have some say in temple worship, that have some say in how the people of God are to behave. They have influence and even have influence on, let's say that if, if the harvests aren't going well and people say a blacksmith isn't able to earn enough to buy grain because grain is too, you know, it's, it, it, it's in low supply. These, these men have some influence. They're kind of board members. Uh, they have some influence on how the grain might get distributed to the people in time of need. So these are, these are men that have a lot of influence, a lot of say culturally, sociologically, and spiritually, and even economically. So these are the men that he's talking to, and he calls them out. And he calls them out, and he says, how long will you turn my glory into shame? Now, I'm going to... This is the only piece that will be just teaching, um, but it, it helps you read the psalm. Instead of looking at a TV show on a 13-inch black and white TV, um, watching it in UHD is a little bit better. Wouldn't you agree? So here's just a little piece. The translators of the NIV, they had uh, the English Bibles were originally translated from Latin, called the Vulgate, uh, from Latin into English. But then with the Dead Sea Scrolls, we found many older manuscripts, and they were in Hebrew. So um, as time goes on, we find earlier and earlier manuscripts that are more and more authoritative. And... So the translators revise. So like you have the, the NIV 1984, you have the NIV uh, 2013, I think it was. And then, then you have the revised standard version, or the standard version, the revised standard version, the new revised standard version. Every time they find something more authoritative, they tweak it so that we get more to the, to the, to the origin of the word of God. And that is good stuff. But sometimes translators, things, things in Hebrew might be a little vague or, or, or unclear, and they have to make a decision in their translating, which may sometimes change how we read a passage. For example, the NIV translators, that's what we just read from, uh, they saw this thing where it said, oh man, how long will you turn my glory into shame? It is unclear if David is talking about his own reputation, his own, the man who God has chosen, who is anointed to be king and that speaks on behalf of God and to the people on God's behalf, along with the priesthood, along with the prophets, but David speaks for God. Is David talking about people that have turned against him? Well, most of the evidence would say yes, because we see time and time and time again, we even saw last week uh, in Psalm 40, where David does not like how people are treating him. They're opportunists. If he's having some trouble, they come and they try to exploit that trouble to gain power for themselves. But David may be, um, he, he may be talking about on behalf of God and talking about as if God is saying, how long, O oh men, will you turn my glory, God's glory into shame? And if that's the case, it changes a, a verse later on. Pretty simple. In your anger, do not sin. Let the light of God's face shine upon you. Um, in your anger, do not sin. If it's, if it's David's glory that he's worried about, then yeah, he's saying, I'm going to make you angry. I'm calling you out in public worship. Uh, I sent this to the director of music, and, that's gonna, and you're going to know who I'm talking about. Be angry, but don't, don't do wrong. But if it's God's glory that we're talking about, 
then those, the, the, the word for angry isn't really the word for angry. It's, it's a word for tremble. And so it could mean that God is saying to them, when you are in awe of God, when God's Shekinah glory kind of comes across you in front of you and you're trembling, that is not the time to point at God and tell him he's doing wrong. Doesn't change the meaning of the psalm, but it does change how you might hear it depending on which one he meant. Now here's what's going on. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a drought going on in David's time. And we don't know how long, but for it to be a drought that makes it difficult for the people to eat, um, probably a couple of years. We've, we know of other times when God's people aren't being faithful that God allows something to happen so that they see their need and they turn back to God instead of on their own merit. So there's a drought going on and these people of influence have decided, um, I'm gonna use a word, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call them spiritual politicians. They're not getting what they want from God, their worship of God and doing what they're supposed to do in, in temple worship and their pleas to God aren't giving them what they want. They're not, the harvest isn't coming, the rains aren't coming, so the harvest isn't coming, so it's, there's, there's, there's less, they're in want instead of in plenty. And so they did what a good politician will do. They take a poll and they find out who, who's gonna give them what they want. And they start seeking out other gods, other fertility gods, not just the fertility gods like, hey, birth and babies, but fertility gods of harvest. And when it says, in, in, at the end of this passage, when it says, uh, let me find it here. You were asking who can show us any good. That's what they're doing. They're, they're, they're polling the gods, the lesser gods, but they're polling the gods. Okay, so you can give me, what do we need to do? We need to kill this, we need to do that, we need to do this, we need to do that, and then you'll give me this. Okay, well, let's see. We're just shopping around. They're trying to find out other deities that, that, that may give them what they want, so they come off as a hero. And David's calling them out in public worship, saying, dude, you're chasing after false gods. You're chasing after delusions. What do you think you're doing? You know who you're dealing with? You're dealing with God. And we do it too. None of you turns to a false deity. I certainly don't. But there are anything lesser than God that we count on is not God. It's all idolatry. Let me read it again. Psalm four, answer me when I call you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me, hear my prayer. How long, O men, you prosperous ones, Will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? That word selah there just means to pause. Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call, call to him. In your anger, don't sin. When you're on your beds, search your hearts. And basically says, and shut up. Offer right sacrifices. Trust the Lord. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, Lord. You fill my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety. You're not turning to Baal. 
You're not turning to Molech. But what are you putting your trust in when you're not getting what you want from God? What are you, how are you trying to go get it yourself? Our whole world is like this right now. I don't, most of you would agree. I mean, my first president that I remember is Richard Nixon, the one who had to resign because he was going to be impeached. Um, I saw him resign. I was at Gordy Boozer's birthday party, and his parents were watching on the television when the president got up on the plane and did the whole thing, and he left. And since then, I've watched politics my whole I remember when Ronald Reagan got shot. I've watched politics, I've been involved in politics, I've studied politics my whole life. Um, since I, what, I don't know, 76. Um, and it's getting worse. I don't know if you've noticed, but I mean, last year, um, I got all kinds of emails last summer when everyone, the prophets of doom were all over YouTube and they all had a word from God and they were, they were gonna, this is what's gonna happen and that's what's gonna happen and then this is gonna happen and then this, pre- this person's gonna remain president or no, this person's gonna be president. It turns out that every one of the prophets was wrong. Every one, every one of them. People were upset. People were like, what do you think about this? And this is what's going to happen. And because we want to know the future. And I tell you what, folks, I don't know the future. You don't know the future, but we do know the one who does. So why do we turn to people that prognosticate and tell us that the world's going to end in 17 years because of climate science or because of climate change? Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. Why is it that we trust in one group over another group? Why is it that, that it, it's gotten so bad that... that Chris and I can't disagree politically anymore and then walk away friends. We have to walk away and never be friends again because it's, it's gone from I'm going to be, I'm right, you're evil. Is that what God wants for us? These people were turning to false gods and they were picking what they wanted. But folks, we do the same thing. If you've ever gotten angry because you're watching people on a television tell you how to be, what to be afraid of and who to hate, if you've walked away feeling kind of dirty, you're trusting in something lesser, not something greater. The one who created all of this is still in charge. The one who loves you dearly, loves you dearly. And no matter what happens, if you're not getting from God what you want from God, it's possible that you're wrong in what you want. It's not possible that God is wrong in what he gives you or me. I have this thing, polymyalgia rheumatica. It's been going on for, it's in the seventh, almost eighth month. And there's certain things, it's getting better. I can walk now, but I can't swing a hammer. I can't take a shower head off. I can't feel like a man. I can't use a pair of pliers. I can't do it. I can't set the hook. It hurts to mow my lawn, and I want God to take it away, but what if he says, this is the condition your body's gonna be in the rest of your life? Well, if my prayer is honest, Lord, give me only what you want me to have. I have to believe that while it may not make me happy, he will use it to make me more holy. What about you? There are people debating online whether the earth is round or whether it's flat. And people are making a really good living on YouTube yelling at each other about whether it's flat or whether it's round. And they hate one another. What? But it's been happening 
since David's time. It's been happening since Cain and Abel. We see what God says. We see what God does when people turn to something less than God to make themselves more powerful. We see what God does. We think, remember, remember Elijah, Ahab the king whose wife was Jezebel? Not a good person, either one of them. They had turned the people of God to, to worship Baal and they were sacrificing their children to a deity that isn't a deity at all. It's just a demon. And God sent Ahab or uh, Elijah to Ahab to say, stop it, no rain, no harvest until it comes out of Elijah's mouth. And it went on for years. Elijah took off, he hid by this, this, this dried up little creek bed, crows fed him, and then until famine kicked into the whole land. And, and it, wasn't until, it wasn't until Elijah came back and said to Ahab that the rain's coming. Then Ahab, Jezebel's gone, she gets tossed out of a window. Ahab's gone, he dies poorly. People were trusting in something that wasn't God. And then we look at the church and we go, hey, you know, right now, shouldn't, shouldn't the church do this? Shouldn't the church do that? And well, the, 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 the sociology of the day is saying that the church needs to move in this direction. The church needs to move in this direction or we're going to be left behind culturally speaking. The church is a supernatural entity established by God himself who's primary purpose is to preach God's word, instruct in righteousness, and then declare to the manifold, or declare the manifold wisdom of God, according to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, to the principalities and the powers of the air, the demonic hosts that want to deceive you and me. And I know we don't talk about that stuff very often, but folks, if the world is getting worse, it's not getting worse because people are more comfortable. It's getting worse because people are more deceived and we, chew, we try to make God tell us what we want instead of saying to God, we know what you say, I want to be obedient to you. We trust in something less. Instead of the provider, we try to provide for ourselves. Instead of the physician, we try to heal ourselves. Instead of the one who is the creator of all things, we try to find something created that we can then give credit for what we want, or we can get it to give us what we want. And folks, no matter how you might be doing that in your life, it might be something minor, it might be something major. It might be, you might be turning to substances, you might be turning to politics, you might be turning to science, you might be turning to whatever. And I'm not opposed to any of those things. They're all good things as long as Christ is first. But I wanna tell you something, I wanna remind you of two things. One, that at the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess and every knee will bend. And it's not going to be just voluntary. It's better for you, for me, for the world if we intentionally bend our knee to the Lord and say, your will, not mine, be done. But those who are saying, not his will, but mine be done for my own benefit, and I'm going to get God to give me what I want instead of what God wants me to have, one day they're going to be forced to their knee. And that's scary. That's what David's saying. God talks to me. God will hear my prayer. He, he, he set aside the godly for himself, not for themselves, but for himself. And he's saying to these guys, these, these men, these powerful men, stop it. You're chasing after the wind. It will never give you what you want, even though you think it will. And folks, the same is true for all of us. The only reason I'm pushing this stuff out there or, or saying it, and I'm speaking in generalities, is that we are always tempted 
to fix it ourselves. And we can't. You think it's getting worse out there? Of course it's getting worse. People are in charge. It always gets worse. Cain and Abel, I mean, not even a, they're barely adults and one kills the other. God got to the point with Noah where he said, the, on all the earth, no one is doing anything but evil all the time. So he, he wiped them all out. The Tower of Babel, same thing. We're going we're gonna to build a tower to God and we're going we're gonna to make it so that God is subject to us and not us to him. And he scattered them all over the world. You think there's problems in the world? Yeah, because we're in charge. That's a problem. But the beauty is that God says that all of these things happen and they result in your salvation. What is my only comfort in life? That I am not my own, but I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. And he assures me that all of these things work together for my salvation. Folks, it is always a temptation to count on something less. We settle for something created or for a political ideal, a new political theory. But judge it by its fruit. It pits person against person, father against son, husband against wife, one people group against another people group. Is that God's glory? Is that God's desire? But what does God want from you? To declare the manifold wisdom of God by how you behave, by how you love, by whether you bring peace or chaos. He wants to see people that trust in the Lord. When he says bring right sacrifices, he's not saying that killing a goat makes everything okay. He's saying that instead of sacrificing unthinkable things to these non-gods, trust me, come back to me, bend your knee to me, confess to me. So if there's something that you've bought into that is dividing you from others, keeping you from God, or if you're trying to get God to change his mind so that you feel better about yourself, repent, confess. Because there's one little section in this psalm, and it's small. I will lie, lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Now we're gonna read one more time this psalm in a different translation. But I wanna remind you of something that Paul said. Paul, after he had been called and then set aside for 14 to 17 years for training, and then when God sent him out to the Gentile to, 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 to call non-Jewish people to Christ, God said something to Ananias, the guy that was gonna go give him back his sight. He said, I'm gonna show you how much this man will suffer for my name. Probably not exactly what Paul was hoping for, suffering. But then later, Paul says, so that I would not grow conceited, God gave me a thorn in my flesh. And three times I asked him to take it away. And the Lord answered me, my grace is sufficient. 
And we hear sufficient like, eh, it's a C. It's good enough. It's abundantly more than all we could ask or imagine. This psalmist says, you're all I need. It's, it, 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 it's provision, God. That is what God promises. And he's never broken a promise. Hear Eugene Peterson's translation. When I call, give me answers, God. Take my side. Once in a tight place, you gave me room. Now I'm in trouble again. Grace me. Hear me, you rabble. How long do I put up with your scorn? How long will you lust after lies? How long will you be crazed by illusion? Look at this. Look. Who got picked by God? He listens the split second I call on him. Complain if you must, but don't lash out. Keep your mouth shut and let your heart be, do the talking. Build your case before God and wait for his verdict. Why is everyone hungry for more? More, more. They say more, more. I have God's more than enough. More joy in one ordinary day than they get in all their shopping sprees. At day's end, I'm ready for sound sleep for you, God. I put my life back together. Do you want to be ever craving more, more, more? Or do you want to let God be more than enough? Abundantly above all, you could ask or even dream up. Because that is his promise. It might not be what you want, but it's always better to receive what God wants you to have than what you want, because we will settle for as little as possible when God wants to give us more than we could ask or imagine. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for David and all of his sin, all of his issues with ego. You called him friend and you said he's a man after your own heart. Lord, we have egos, we have wants, we mess up, you know it. But these Psalms tell us that we can be honest to God. So Lord, we're being honest. There are areas where I count on something other than you to give me hope or peace or health. And I pray that you remind us all to seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness so that all these things will be added unto us. But Lord, when we shoot too low, we're always left in want. Help us declare your wisdom to the world by how we behave, how we pray, and how we treat our brother and sister. In Jesus' name, amen.